Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. How many people do you think outside of this building don't know how to do life right? They don't have a clue. And they're wondering, is there anything that gives us direction? How to be a good parent, how to marry the right person, how to be a good employee, a good boss. I've been both. How to be a good citizen, how to just be a good person and, and do things. Is there, people don't know. We have the answer. It's right here. We take the word of God so for granted. Believer, because of your desire to share the truth of Jesus, you probably have a list of people who you pray for and witness to and desire for them to be saved. But there are also those who have fallen away from the Lord. They've heard and known the truth but are no longer fellowshipping with God. They're also in need of prayer and guidance. Today in our teaching from Second Chronicles, a king will seek to bring back an entire nation that has turned from God. Through his devotion and obedience, the people will receive a message of hope and grace. It's the same message for people today, that he will not turn his face from you if you return to him. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 30, verse 1, with part one of our message entitled, Be Flexible, But Don't Compromise. Hezekiah has become king of Judah. He proves that he's going to be one of the good kings. He opens and repairs the temple, then encourages the priests and the Levites to themselves renew their walk from God. The temple is then cleansed, ready for worship. The people are encouraged to come to the temple and they begin to offer, as you remember, sin and burnt offerings. This would open, reopen the door to true worship of God and finally bring a little bit of joy back to Judah because they'd been many years away from worshiping. We'll see what this little revival that begins to take place because the king got his heart right will begin to spread. We begin in Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 1. Hezekiah sent word to all Israel and Judah and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh, inviting them to come to the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem and to celebrate the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. Hezekiah didn't want to keep the revival that had started in Judah, just there. But he wanted it to spread to all of Israel. So here the ten northern tribes are invited to come to Jerusalem and be part of this revival. Hezekiah knew, because of the time of year it was, that the Passover and the unleavened bread celebration would be in that area. And he had the temple cleaned up. He was ready for that. The Passover itself, even though it was supposed to be done yearly, had really been ignored by the nation of Israel 
for many years, even before Israel was divided. Now remember, notice what he, who he's asking here. Look in verse 1. He's inviting Israel to come join them. Now, you remember that Israel was really in civil war against Judah. So the nation of Israel had been broken and divided into civil war. Now, Hezekiah says, let's have some unity. Let's try to get back together. This terrible war, you remember, had taken the ten tribes in the north, and there was only two tribes in Judah left in the south. And interesting enough, as we read here tonight, Israel itself in the north was already under siege by Assyria. Many people, Israelites, had already been taken off into Assyria. And there's not that many people left in Israel, but you'll see the response of those people. So what happens here is during this difficult time of reconciliation, Hezekiah says, my heart, if if things are getting right here in Judah, maybe these folks up here would love to come and get right too. Because both parts of the nation had really been away from God. And so Hezekiah's heart was for unity. God loves unity. He hated the nation to be split like this. When you look at the Trinity, you see unity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Satan, however, loves disunity. He loves division. Now you'll see in a moment, even though God loves unity, even though we love unity, you cannot force unity. It has to be a thing of the heart. Verse 2. The king and the officials and the whole assembly in Jerusalem decided to celebrate the Passover in the second month. Now let's review for a moment. We probably ought to have a a sixth grader come up and tell us the story of the Passover. They'd probably do a better job than I would in a quick review. But let's just remember what happened. Remember hundreds of years before, the nation of Israel had been in bondage. They'd been really sent, and they were captives and slaves of the nation Egypt. They were there for about 400 years. During that period of time, uh, God had been trying to deal with them, but not too many good things happened except one. They continued to grow and grow and grow and grow. Finally, their cries went out to God, what are you going to do about this bondage that we're in? God heard their cry. You remember he went and picked a man by the name of Moses. He said, Moses, I want you to come and I want you to free my people. And here's what I want you to say to Pharaoh. Let my people go. Well, during that time, you know, Moses fussed and fought the will of God. But finally he went. He went with his, his brother Aaron. And they went and through a number of plagues to Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, They kept saying, let us go. And Pharaoh played with them back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth. And finally, during that time, Pharaoh kept hardening his heart against God. So much so that God finally said, that's it. Moses, tell the children of Israel, they're going to be free. I am going to harden Pharaoh's heart. I'm going to agree that he doesn't want anything to do with me. That's exactly what's going to happen. So Moses then went to the children of Israel and he said to them basically this, God on this special night is going to kill all the firstborns, including animals. Now there's only one way to protect your house. You're to take this lamb, you're to offer that as a sacrifice, you're going to take its blood and put it on the doorposts of your house. And when the angel of death 
from God comes and he sees the blood on the doorpost, he'll pass over. That will be your freedom. That will keep you from your firstborn. We know that happened. That very night, the Israelites were freed. They went in and began searching, as you remember, for the promised land. What happened? That was the freedom. That's a picture of our salvation. The lamb being slain. So this was given by God then to be repeated as a, a wonderful holiday for the history forever and ever and ever so that the Jews could always say to their kids, how did we get here? How did we get free? How did we get out of this? Here's how. So it was a, was a celebration and a festival that should have been taking place all this time. Now, it hadn't been. So they want to reinstruct it, redo it again. Now, this feast should have taken place in the first month. Let's take your finger, just hold it right there in verse 2. Head back to the book of Numbers, chapter 9, for a moment. This feast was to occur in the first month of the religious calendar year, every year. Notice they're going to celebrate it in the second month. Okay, look down at verse 10 11. Before we read that, keep, you're in, hopefully still in 2 Chronicles. I want you to look at verse 3, and then we'll read Numbers. Verse 3 in 2 Chronicles says this, They had not been able to celebrate it, the Passover, at the regular time because not enough priests had consecrated themselves and the people had not assembled in Jerusalem. So they were supposed to, by God, here was the command, you must celebrate it in the first month. But they weren't able to because you remember, we just told you tonight, Hezekiah, went when he brought revival to the, na- to the land, the priests themselves were away from God. So we didn't have enough people organized together. Plus it took that whole month to get the temple ready. So they couldn't do it. So they're in a bind. Now they decide to do it, not what God said on the first, but the second month. Where does Hezekiah get that leeway? How can he determine, instead of waiting until next year, well, I'm just going to pick this month to do it? Well, we see it. Look back in Numbers chapter 9, verse 10 and 11. This is earlier. Command of God says this. Tell the Israelites, when any of you or your descendants are unclean because of a dead body or are away on a journey, they may still celebrate the Lord's Passover. Verse 11, they are to celebrate it on the 14th day of the second month at twilight. They are to eat the lamb together with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. What does Hezekiah do? He goes back to the Torah. He goes back to the Bible. And he says, there's some history to this. God has already spoken to our problem. Isn't it amazing that God knows our problems and already addresses through the word the issues that we need to know in our life? So Hezekiah says, it's okay, guys. We're supposed to do it in the first month, but we can do it in the second month because God's word gave us the ability to do that. That's an important part in our life. Think tonight, I mean it's hard for us, but think tonight, what would Hezekiah have done if this had not been in the Torah? He wouldn't have known anything to do except to wait to the next year. Or to go to God and say, God, could, could you give me some special instructions here? We can obey what you asked to do. How many people do you think outside of this building don't know how to do life right? They don't have a clue. And they're wondering, is there anything that gives us direction? 
how to be a good parent, how to marry the right person, how to be a good employee, a good boss. I've been both. How to be a good citizen, how to just be a good person and, and do things. Is there People don't know. We have the answer. It's right here. We take the Word of God so for granted. It addresses the needs of our life. Here Hezekiah says, we have a problem. Is there an answer? Yes, it's in the Word of God. Now look at also, what do we see here? We see flexibility from God. You see, people say, well, I can't come and serve you. I mean, look at this Bible. This is my man, just too strict. Well, look at this. God says, can't make it in the first month. Second month is fine by me. Now, those of you out there that are legalists have a little trouble with this. What's wrong with you, God? There's only one way to do this. It can only be in the first month. Careful. Careful. Why was God flexible? Because he knew man couldn't always do what he needed to do. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about that legality and flexibility as we go through tonight. But God not only gave flexibility for the Passover, but when we come to the New Testament, we have great flexibility. How and when should we worship God? Only on the Sabbath. No. No. Some well-meaning people believe that, but we're not under the law. You remember what Jesus said that he was the rest. He was the one that fulfilled the law. So when we come, so you'll understand what I'm saying tonight. When we come to the New Testament, God is extremely flexible in worship, just as he is here. We're to worship God on any day we choose. And we have full freedom to do that. Plus, he takes it one step further. We're to really worship him on every day. Because that's what it's all about. At work, play, anywhere. Golf course, sometimes hard, still can worship. Still can worship. Anytime we can worship. Let me just read you a verse, because sometimes we, we miss it. You can write it down. It's found in 1 John 5, 3. It says this. This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. Don't ever get to the place where you think obeying God's word is just hard. It's not hard. Number one, it's full of grace and mercy. Number two, he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us live it. So his laws are not burdensome. He gives us the power to obey it. And there's tremendous flexibility in it. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. So we're free to worship. Some of you may be from a more structured church tonight. You're still free to worship in a more structured way. Some of you from a maybe a different denomination, you're a little, how come we didn't run up and down the aisles? Well, we're, we just don't do that here. But you're fine to worship in your own church that way or at home that way. This is just kind of how we do. There's tremendous freedom in worshiping God. You'll see tonight, when, when you start taking God and put him into your box, you lose the joy of the Lord. This isn't what's happening. All right, back to Second Chronicles. Moving right along. The plans seem right, both to the king and the whole assembly. They decided to send a proclamation through Israel from Beersheba to Dan, calling on the people to come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. Notice who they were worshiping. To the Lord, the God of Israel. It had not been celebrated in large numbers according to what was written. At the king's commands, couriers went throughout Israel and Judah with letters from the king 
and from his officials, which read, People of Israel, return, circle those words, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that he may return to you who are left, who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. God gives a message of hope. Return to the Lord. Notice how Hezekiah states it. He tries to give them a unifying statement again. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel. Remember guys, before we split, that was our heritage. So notice how wise he is in his letter. He's not talking about, how come you guys left us and not that? Too bad, now a lot of your moms and dads and brothers and sisters have been taken off to Syria. That'll show you. He's a gracious king. And he says to them, come on back. Come on back. You remember, we're blood brothers. We're the same. We have the same God. Look at our heritage. It was another unifying message. The message basically said this, return, return to the Lord. That's a great statement that needs to be reminded to us. Return to the Lord. Are there any? You used to walk with God. You found your way here again from some reason tonight. You haven't been serving God. You know what God's message is to you tonight? It's not too difficult. Return. Come on home. But there's many outside these walls that used to worship with us, worship in churches, take communion, sing. Well, they need to return to the Lord. So that's a message, a message of hope. Verse 7, then he says this, trying to caution them, do not be like your fathers and brothers who were unfaithful to the Lord, the God of their fathers, so that he made them an object of horror as you see. What is he talking about? See, nothing good happens to us if we go against God. I try to caution people when I'm counseling in counseling sessions over and over again to just repeat them. Number one, God's will for you is good. Number two, it's not hard to obey God. You want to obey God because if you don't obey God, nothing good is going to happen in your life. And so Hezekiah is saying to them, don't be like your relatives. Most of them aren't there. They're already taken off by Assyria. So open your eyes. It isn't good for you to disobey God. So come on, come on back. Return. Don't be like them. Verse 8, do not be stiff-necked as your fathers were. Submit, circle the word, submit to the Lord. Not to Hezekiah, not to ritual, but to the Lord. And you know what submission means? Just a willing attitude that wants to cooperate. You become willing. Come back. Quit being stiff-necked. Come to the sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever. When you come back, here's what you're going to come back for. To serve the Lord, your God so that his fierce anger will turn away from you. In other words, truly repent. Just don't come back to do to celebrate. You know what a lot of people do, and we'll have them, and we just have to be gracious to them. Don't come back, do your deal with the Passover once, and then go back north and just do your thing again. No, you come back, you submit yourself to God, and begin serving him. So he understood the human art. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. So Hezekiah says, don't do that. Don't do that. Look, look at verse 9. If you return to the Lord, then your brothers and your children will be shown compassion by their captors and will not come back to this land. 
For the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate. We sang that a few times tonight, didn't we? He will not turn his face from you if you return to him. Now, some of the people might have been afraid. While I'm talking about this, keep your finger there and turn back to Exodus chapter 34. Hezekiah mentions this because, to be honest with you, these individuals really didn't know much about God. We'll see later that they're not even really familiar with the Passover and and some of the things because they get ahead of what they're supposed to be doing. You remember, we're only usually one or two generations away from our country being pagans, that our kids don't know anything about God because the parents didn't. So why is Hezekiah saying to them, if you'll come back, God will accept you with open arms? Because many of them thought, Man, if we come back, what's God going to do to us? We've been against him. He's going to, I mean, he might not take us back. He might make us a, a picture of scorn. He might punish us worse. What is God going to do? So Hezekiah says to him, hey, you know the character of God. They didn't know the character of God. He's what? He's gracious. He's compassionate. Now, in Exodus 34, look on down at verse uh, 6 and 7. If you don't have this circle in your Bible, you definitely should. And just put out beside it the character of God. Because you'll have many times when you can go to this verse when people are questioning what our God is like. Well, look at what he's like. As he passed in front of Moses, verse 6, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving. Well, what's he love to forgive? Wickedness, rebellion, and sin. We're in the Old Testament. We're in the time of law. But notice God's grace was all over the Old Testament. People say, well, you don't ever see God's grace in the Old Testament. Hello. This is God's grace. Why is it God's grace? Because it's God's character. If you talk to people outside this building, they would not believe that God is slow to anger. And many of them wonder because Satan has lied to them. I've sinned too much. I can't come back to God. Jesus continually had to deal with that situation. You know, woman caught in adultery, woman at the well. It's okay. Come on back. We don't care about the past. The past is done away with. Praise God. Let's go forward. This is the message that we have to share with the world. I want to ask you tonight, do you really believe that's the character of God? See, that's what we have to share with people. A lot of people that we know as friends and relatives, we need to pray for them. They're backslidden. This is what Israel was. It was backslidden. They used to serve God, their relatives, their ancestors. They were all together. They were worshiping God, but they hadn't for a long time. We have many people even start coming to my mind as I was thinking about this today. People that have been here even in our fellowship, in the last year or two. They're away from God. Well, what is God's desire? Come on back. Come on back. I'll forgive you. Notice, look at the verse. I'm forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. That's God's desire. In today's message from 2 Chronicles, Hezekiah invited the people of Israel and Judah to celebrate Passover. The Lord's feast could bring unity to the nation. As Pastor Mark noted, throughout Scripture, we see that God's commands are not burdensome, but a blessing. 
The message to the people of Israel was for them to turn back to the Lord, which is the same message today, for His desires that no one should perish. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 2286. And the title of this message is Be Flexible But Don't Compromise. Again, today's message number for ordering purposes is 2286. And the title of this message is Be Flexible But Don't Compromise. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living when we'll see the results of Hezekiah's obedience and devotion to the Lord. While not everyone who is invited to celebrate the feasts will come, those who do come in humility and joy. We'll see how that pattern is repeated throughout our nation today. Even when they don't know exactly what to do, they will show up and worship. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of Second Chronicles. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 